What is up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and we are going to go into a presentation-styled um, episode today because last episode we looked at um, hip mobility uh, to kind of go on the whole topic of like 10 um, mobility exercises everybody should be doing. Um, and we kind of just focused our emphasis on hip mobility, in particular hip internal rotation. So if you haven't watched that one or part one of the 10 mobility exercises everybody should be doing, highly recommend you listen to that. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, I would 100% try to go watch it um, compared to just listening, but I'm gonna try to be as descriptive as possible, but um, we're gonna try to get right into it. Uh, and also a quick shout out to all my new listeners and new subscribers on my YouTube channel. Thank you for being here. Um, we're gonna look at something that influences a lot of hip mobility, which is your spine, and in particular, your lumbar spine. So a thing I wanna go over in this episode in particular is a lot of times when I do an assessment for somebody, and it doesn't really matter what their background is, either they're inactive or they are super active, I've always found that most people have no idea how to segment at their lumbar spine. A lot of times it just moves as one clump and then they have something called a hinge point. And I've done an episode on hinge points. So if you want to learn more about it, um, go search that through my you know, YouTube archives. Um, but in general, a lot of times when I do an assessment and I get to the spine portion of my assessment. A lot of people have no idea how to move that little lower part of their spine where it kind of goes into, you know, your pelvis. Uh, and they tend to move a little bit higher on the lumbar spine to a point where like L5 and T12 kind of meet. And that becomes their hinge point, which is the point where they like to move the most because they have the most mobility there. And then everything above and below tend to kind of stiffen up. And then their patterning when it comes to things like deadlifting, back squatting, any overhead pressing tends to cause problems down the road. Now, what we're going to look at is a few exercises that I do with clients and patients, um, no matter where they're kind of starting at uh, to help kind of move things in the right direction. And what I kind of explained to a lot of people is that say if it was an injury, say if it was a flare up, whatever was the issue before, because a lot of times when people come see me, they are in pain or they've had flare ups, they've had a previous injury, but never really took care of it. So if you look at the nature of an injury, say I hurt my knee, your body's going to do everything in its power to shut down everything around that knee to protect it, which is a great mechanism. But down the line, you want to reactivate those muscles surrounding the knee, the tendons, everything. All the signals should be at full capacity at a certain point after injury. 
But again, a lot of times when people get injured, they don't want to put weight on it. They don't want to try a new movement. They don't want to do anything with it. So then things become kind of stiff. And the signal from the brain to the muscles involved around that joint become kind of lost in translation. The best That's probably the best way to describe it. So when it comes into particular with the back, in this case, um, a lot of times when I tell someone, um, and I'll show a video really quick, like move at L4. And like, you can tell that they're like trying to do it with their like facial expressions, but nothing's moving. And they're like, okay, what the hell's going on here? And I'm like, well, there's no connection between your brain and the movement that you're trying to do. Cause when you look at, um, anatomy or, what the FRS system is, which includes like the FRC, kin stretch, functional release, um, functional range assessment that I do, and also now the internal strength model is that they place a huge emphasis on the joint capsule itself. Your joints, so say your neck, your shoulder, your elbow, your wrist, your fingers, whatever joint you can think of, each joint essentially maps out your environment. So if I use my shoulder into a shoulder car all the time as much as possible, every time I go through these ranges, it kind of maps out this area behind me as I go through my shoulder car. So now my body has a better awareness of space and time. So when it comes to do shoulder things, it understands what it needs to do. How many times have, you know, you done an overhead exercise and something weird happened and your like whole shoulder kind of froze or it was like, oh, that didn't feel good. But if I had more active components of my shoulder, if any kind of variable happened when I was trying to press overhead and like say this happened, then I would be able to bring it back and go into that overhead press. A lot of people don't have that capacity. And that's where a lot of disconnect when it comes to training happens. So I firmly believe, at least right now, because it makes the most sense to me, is that joint health is kind of everything. If I have full functioning joints, then I have better movement patterns to put into the gym. And then I can get better outcomes through said exercise, overhead um, pressing, back squat, deadlift, whatever it is. But the first step is to make shit move nice um so we're going to do a little screen share and we're going to start getting into the exercises and hopefully nothing screws up as i try to do this all right so i went over this once but before i do that i want to make my screen bigger. Here we go. Here we go. So the cat cow is actually one of the exercises I do in my assessment to see how people move their spine. So if you look at what I'm doing with my spine, this is a normal functioning spine. Let's take a second to see how it moves. And 
And that last little bit is really, really important. So if you look at my tailbone right now, it is tucked under like as far as possible. Now really pay attention as I start moving it into extension. That little, little bit, most people can't do. So watch. And now I'm going into kind of T12 and L5. But if we kind of go back again, see if I can cue it up for you. Really watch this. This little area right here. Most people can't do that. So what happens when that doesn't move? The movement starts right about here, this section here. So we have all of this super mobile. This is super stiff. And then the next section right about here also becomes stiff because that becomes like kind of like an anchor almost. And then it kind of goes back into what I'm doing here. But the other kind of thing to this um, point is on the way back as I put my head into flexion, most people don't know how to put their thoracic spine into flexion actively. They're really good at like, say I'm sitting and then I just kind of collapse into it. But me actively pushing myself into flexion, especially in like a quadruped position like I am here, very, very, very difficult. So this would technically be the first exercise that everyone should be doing uh, when it comes to spinal health is learning how to move every single vertebrae one at a time. And when I demonstrate this in my assessment that I want to see, most people are like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. And this can also be a self-assessment for yourself, your clients, whatever your situation is, just to get things started. But a lot of times, like if you can't actively move your spine and is designed to move through flexion and extension, then you're kind of screwed for a lot of things when it comes to a mobile spine, AKA just doing any kind of exercise in the gym. Now, the other thing that I'll also give to clients to kind of build up their, um, but actually before that, I want to get into the reverse. So same start position, but you're going to start with the head. So as you watch, it's the same motion but in the reverse. And to be honest, this is actually pretty sloppy and I'll show you where, and it's like literally in that tailbone section. So I uh, show it once again. Yeah. See that on the way back here, it kind of just clumps together. It's not the greatest. So let's start it again. I'm going to show you at what point I do a very poor job. So I'm good in extension, but watch flexion. It, it's not as smooth as the first video I showed you. Now that could be so many different things. One, it could be the fact that how old is this video? 
um, from 2019. Um, at that point, I only started getting really serious into kin stretch um, and utilizing movements like this on a daily basis. Cause like the year before this is when I got first certified in the FRC, just started like moving my body the way it was designed. And, you know, it takes time for those tissue adaptations to happen. Whereas right now I'm at a point where I'm almost doing kin stretch every single day for at least 30 minutes. So I'm always picking certain sections of my body to move. And that could be the first thing. It's just, I haven't had the adaptation. Um, whereas another thing that could happen is like, say, you know, um, the day before I filmed this, I had a heavy deadlift day and in that, um, kind of environment, my lumbar spine wants to stay super stable. So probably that neurological input of being super stable kind of carried over to the next day possibly. And it does not want to move and it does not want to like segment one vertebrae at a time. Or I had a workout where my low back ended up getting kind of flared up and my body sending all those signals again to shut everything down to protect it. Right. Or I don't know, I came off a flight the night before for four and a half hours and I just sat like crazy. That could also play an effect. But um, those two things, well, two variations, I guess, will be our first two out of 10. And hopefully we'll have enough time to cover 10 in this video. Um, the next thing, if it's here actually no let's actually watch the first one i've ever filmed this was actually just after ready to take off the Polynesian oh, yeah. wave As, it's to take you with a direct flight from seattle let's see how i do on this one. Oh yeah that's definitely not moving but you can see that i'm also doing it very very slow because i'm trying to really focus on this. Also, P.S. I miss my long hair. Might have to do that again one of these days. But that's another thing too, is like sometimes I'll forget that you need to really slow things down to work on the things that you're kind of terrible at. Oh yeah, lumbar spine is having a tough time. Oh, I did okay there. But it's not smooth. It's kind of uh, choppy. So let's start this again. Yeah, like you can see, like it's kind of like a good, good, like it's still trying to get that signal strong enough. And this was maybe a couple... The, like literally the week after I got certified through the FRC. So lots to learn. Um, let's see if I can find the third exercise. Oh, this will be fun. So this is a variation where you're trying to move through just the lumbar section Still here, I need to work on it. But what's interesting is when I go into flexion, so extension is pretty good. Watch the level of my hips. The first one was really good on that. 
And this is the stuff that I look at when I do my assessment is now like, look at me going into extension, oh, little shift there, selection, little shift. All right, so start thinking about if I have those weight shifts, because this is just an active component of the um, cat cow just for the lumbar spine. So imagine whatever exercise I am needing to do that requires any kind of flexion extension of my pelvis and say the right side in this case will move, I want to say asymmetrically compared to the other side, then most likely the say weight over my head if I'm trying to do an overhead press because as you fatigue, no matter what happens, when you press overhead, there's going to be some sort of lumbar extension. Now imagine if my right one goes first and then I kind of hike up, the weight that comes down through my body is not gonna kind of be evenly distributed. So I might start getting sore only on my right side, only on my left side. Or when I start running, that one side always is the trouble side or always gets sore for, for some reason. This could be an indication, right? Because that's what I'm looking for in um, my assessment is what's happening at the pelvis when we just focus on lumbar, right? So that would be the third one. And sometimes all it takes to fix these things is to repeat the movement over and over again. But sometimes you actually need some inputs because when I coach people, I will literally like, poke at their lumbar spine, like move here. And we don't continue on until they actually move there where I'll like literally like put my finger in on their spine and I'm like push against it. And it takes some time, but the moment they kind of realize like, Oh, that's, you know, where you want me to push against, then that connection becomes a little bit stronger. So the other one, so now we're going to be on our fourth exercise. Is also looking at um, thoracic. So we're not going to go into thoracic so much, but here we're kind of locking out lumbar. Like lumbar is going to move a little bit, but we're trying to focus on just that thoracic bit here. Right? Same concept, but now we're moving. But what's interesting is like here I'm doing an okay job. But there are points where when I started getting into maximal flexion, my lumbar spine will follow. So it's usually those people and like any kind of extension-based exercises, like the deadlift, an overhead squat, a barbell back squat, where you're trying to do this the whole time, you end up almost like kind of compensating in that TL junction where you're kind of just always extended. So one of those things is like you can practice this over and over and over again, or you can slowly, um, say, look at a mirror and see what's happening at each vertebrae. But again, these things take a lot of time. And sometimes directly trying to move at those spots might not be the best way. Maybe it's actually your hip mobility, which we'll, we covered in the last episode, could be the... Um, 
issue that should be addressed first. Because a lot of times how I kind of look at it is like your hips are kind of the epicenter of your body. And then anything beyond that, I kind of like, "Hmm, maybe let's not cover that just yet. Let's hit hips first. And that kind of spills over into other things. Um, The other thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is also flexion of the spine. Let's see if I can find... here one of the exercises i've been doing a lot with clients when it comes to spine stuff is getting them into full flexion of thoracic spine and then rotating so when you think of traditional um t-spine exercises and if you don't know what t-spine is your thoracic spine so everything up through here um they're traditionally done in extension so upright So imagine, and this is kind of the conclusion I got to over the years of training, is that um, all these years I've been doing T-spine rotation with extension. And just like anything, you probably have overworked that pattern. So wouldn't it make sense if I started doing T-spine rotation with flexion? Because again, it's just like any other joint, like say for my elbow, if I only do bicep curls to 90 to here, back and forth, I'm losing all these other ranges in my arm that I could be doing curls in. And I'm only utilizing you know 50% of the joint itself. So same thing with the spine, like why not do the same thing? So I've been playing around a lot with flexion and rotation and I've seen some great adaptations not only myself, but also clients. Now, the other way to do this, and I guess we're now going on to number five or number six, is doing T-spine cars, but only in flexion and rotation. So the way I do that is I get into the wall, and I have to remain in contact with the wall with kind of like my lumbar. And now I'm only moving through T-spine and then adding that rotation back and forth and it's one of those ones where it looks a lot harder than it is um i've played around a little bit with clients on this one but they already have a tough time figuring out how to move without having that low back come off but i just want to show this one more time because i feel like it's one of those exercises that needs a lot of explanation um the other thing too is like in order for me to move through my T-spine freely, you cross the arms and you actually move your shoulder blades out of the way to give you that extra little bit of rotation. And again, like stretching out rhomboids and everything else in between those shoulder blades does feel nice. Now we're going to move on because there's another thing that I want to bring up Um So for the longest time, I've been anti-flexion of the spine, but I've been really challenging myself as of late um, as why I've kind of gone down that path. And a lot of it has been because of Stu McGill's work 
And what I'm demonstrating here is a Jefferson curl. So I'm trying to kind of do that slow motion cat cow that I showed earlier, but from a standing position and then going into a deep squat, coming back up and then starting at that lumbar and coming back up. Now, I wouldn't do this with a general population person because most likely they would do this wrong and they would end up screwing themselves up. <clears throat> it's kind of similar to like if I wrote a program for someone and I decided that I was going to give them barbell bench press, which is one of the exercises like the most dangerous thing because if you don't have a spotter, you have a high chance of like letting the bar fall and almost decapitate you at your throat or fall on your chest and break your ribs, things like that. Or give them like barbell anything, barbell back squat, and you're in your gym all by yourself and you're trying to squat near maximal load and it comes crashing down on you. This is how I kind of look at it. But if I spent enough time with someone in a kin stretch setting and I've taught them how to segment at their spine very well, then I would progress them to something like this. But I haven't had that opportunity yet because I've kind of just started making these adaptations myself and kind of challenging my own beliefs. Because again, like think about how many times the average person goes into flexion with their spine and then they load it and then things kind of fall apart. So if I can train them in the flexion safely, then most likely when they go into those uh, ranges by themselves doing whatever they do at home, then maybe that would be a safer option. But um, something to think about. I don't know if I would actually recommend people doing this, but it is a option. So, so far we have slow motion cat-cow, reverse slow motion cat-cow. We have the lumbar only cat-cow, the thoracic cat-cow. Um, we have the wall um the wall supported T-spine car with only flexion and rotation. And we have the quadruped flexion and extension. And I guess if you wanted to play around with the Jefferson curl body weight, that'd be number seven. Um, the thing that I also want to show is this one. No. Here we go. I wanted to show the newer version that I have of this. So here I'm in a hip hinge, and then I'm trying to move through flexion and extension. You can tell that I'm quite tight when I come into flexion at the end here. Right? Like you can barely see that my tailbone tucks under which is something then I would have to kind of practice on. But now this is going into reverse. Another thing I would want to kind of check, because I've done this before, but previous to that, I like how we're doing the kind of like before and afters. Um, it's kind of cool to see how my body's has changed 
My dogs are stretching in the background. <laughs> All right. So it's kind of similar, but I'm just doing flexion and extend. Actually, this is worse. <laughs> like I kind of get stuck here. Like you can literally see me really trying. Like I'm really good at extension. And uh, let's replay it. And you can still see my pelvis kind of doing weird things. But again, it kind of goes back to how much you can practice these over and over and over again. And now I kind of have a new goal for myself. It was where like, I almost want to really get good at flexion and extension other than doing a cat cow because I've been doing that over and over and over again. So now it's like, I should challenge it in other directions. So another example is like, say I do my shoulder car always standing over and over and over again. Eventually it gets really, really good. But now I can place the rest of my body in different positions, like a side plank shoulder car. I can do a half kneeling shoulder car. I can do a kneeling shoulder car, all those different things to challenge that shoulder joint in different places in my environment. So just like my spine, I can do the same thing. So I'm going to end it there, but you kind of have some homework to do, just like I do, because I want to get better at these is starting to move your spine unloaded, pain-free, one vertebrae at a time. Because the more access you have to your spine, the more things that you can do in the gym more adequately, the better, right? I always say like, if I have access to my hip and my hips only functioning at 40%, then I'm probably only gonna get 40% out of exercises that involve my hip. But if I train that hip, to do more hip things at say 70%, then I'm gonna get 70% out of an exercise that's designed for the hip itself. And that's when people clue in like, oh shit, that makes a lot of sense. I need to start doing that. So that's kind of my piece of advice is like start doing these mobility exercises every single day as much as possible and uh, see how much change you're gonna have in a year from now, six months from now, you'd be kind of surprised. And proof is in the pudding, as they say, like we've just saw a bunch of videos that I filmed when I first got certified through the FRC to somewhat recent. And you've seen the progression of how my spine can move more effectively. Um, so that's it for me. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this little presentation style um, episode. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Add me on Facebook, add me on Instagram, reach out if you have any questions. That's it for me. Until next time, you guys, 